So let's read now 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And we have considered already, as we have studied in Corinthians, the three persons, their equality in chapter 1 verse 2, that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are equal. We've considered the union with Christ, that it is by connection to him that all the blessings of salvation come. That's in verse 5 of chapter 1. We have considered the immutability of God, that he doesn't change, that this is the God who raises the dead. That's what he does. He is consistent, not only in that, but in all his attributes. And now we continue our reading, going back to chapter 1, verse 9. Yes, we have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should trust, not trust in ourselves. We should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. You also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly toward you. For we are not writing any other things to you than what you read or understand. Now I trust you will understand even to the end, as also you have understood us in part that we are your boast, as you also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. This is the written and the inerrant word of God. We thank you for this word. Open it to our understandings that we may have thankful hearts in such a great salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. On this Sunday before Thanksgiving, I want to highlight from the text the theme of thanksgiving for God's grace. Thanksgiving for the gift of God's deliverance and how God changes us through that gift. How thanksgiving changes us. When we thank God, we give to God what is due to his name, the honor and praise he has coming to him. And this thanksgiving also has an effect upon our hearts and upon our lifestyle. And it affects those to whom we witness who aren't believers and those with whom we journey as fellow believers on this road of discipleship. So look at these three points with me this morning. Verses 9 through 11, give thanks for the gift granted. Verse 12, live life with simplicity for God and others. And verses 13 through 14, boast in the growth of others leading up to the last day. Now, looking there at verse 9 in chapter 1, Paul writes that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through the many. Now, when he says that it may be given by many persons, as he says, it's in verse 11, excuse me, is he says that thanks is given by many persons on our behalf. That word persons literally means faces. H. Meyer points out this is a picture of a face that's thanking God. 
It's a picture of the happy countenance of the believer. The feeling of gratitude is displayed. Now, there's a long history of intellectual Christianity, which tends to glorify a non-emotional, expressionless version of Christianity. Pejoratively, such intellectuals have been called God's frozen chosen. But this Greek word, prosopon, which is there translated persons in verse 11, but is better translated faces, it rejects that thought. And it is stating that our thanksgiving should be evident to others. When we give thanks to God, it's evident to all who would see us singing or praying or walking that path of service to God that we really mean it. And that the words expressed with our lips are far from a sterile obligation. But the overflowing expression of what's happening inside. And that can't help but spill over into our face, into our total bearing and actions of our life. You see, thanksgiving doesn't just belong to our soul. It belongs to our bodies. And we give thanks expressed in how we sing, how we give to others, what we give to God's work through the church, and how we interact with people who have less than us with generosity. And how we interact with people who have more than us without covetousness. Paul says that thanks may be given by many faces on our behalf. As we opened the service, we saw make a joyful noise to the Lord, come into his presence with thanksgiving. And so as we come, the first way that we make it evident, the whole idea is that this is something that should be seen on our faces. The first way to make it evident is we give thanks by gathering. We gather. We can't see those thankful faces if we're all alone by ourselves. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generation. You see, the reference there to courts refers to a corporate gathering. It refers to the temple. We don't go to the temple now. We gather in a building. We come together as a people, as his church. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. We come into the presence of God anticipating a blessing. We come saying, you have been good to me. I'm not showing up just because I got to. I'm coming here because I want to. That's what David says. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And so first way we show it on our faces, we give thanks by gathering. The second way is we give thanks by giving. If you turn over with me, if you'd like, First Chronicles 29 and 12. First Chronicles 29 and 12. This is David when he's gathering building materials. He's gathering offerings for the temple that his son is going to build. He's found out he's not going to do it, but he's making it ready for his son. And it says here in 29 verse 13, Now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. And then jump down to verse 16. It says, O Lord, our God, 
all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand and it's all your own. You see, that's how we can give it without regretting it. We're saying, it's yours already, God. So I'm just giving it back to you. See, that's something you hear in the evangelical church. You hear about it and you say, well, where do they get that idea? They get it from the Bible. That's what the Bible says. David said, it's your own. You have provided. It's all yours. And I'm just going to give it back to you. See, we are giving thanks by gathering with his people. We're giving thanks by giving generously. And it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. You see the connection there between generosity and thanksgiving. And the third G, we give thanks by gathering, we give thanks by giving, we give thanks by going. We go out to serve. It isn't just a Sunday go to meeting time. It's your whole life. It's wherever you live. If you turn with me in 2 Corinthians, it's just a chapter over. We see, yes, 2 Corinthians 2, just one chapter over. 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Do you see the connection there between thanking and going? We are led in triumph. We, we're not proud people. We're not saying, oh, oh I'm so, so good. But we have this quiet confidence. We have this quietness. I can go there. I can talk about Jesus on my break time. I'm not asking you to take your employer's time. I'm taking your break time. Talk about Jesus. You can talk to your neighbor. It's a quiet confidence. I'm not persona non grata in America. I am a believer, and I am going to spread the fragrance of Jesus. It's a fragrance of delight that he is a savior, a savior. Now, there are some who are going to be offended. It talks about that. But for those who are being saved, you are an aroma of salvation. You're just what some people got to hear and see. So this is the thanks of the face. Now, you may wonder, well, you're talking about all this thanking God and giving and all that. Isn't that a little proud? Didn't Jesus say, speaking of the hypocrites, that they disfigure their faces, that they may appear to men to be fasting? Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. They're showing off their spirituality. Well, we don't want to show off our spirituality. We're not telling people what we're giving. Giving in this church is private, but it is an act of worship. And this gratitude includes the gratitude of gathering, giving, and going. The going includes you all in your neighborhoods. There are missionaries who go overseas. I, I was talking to one young man I've met since I've been here 11 years. And he was saying, you know, I just want to serve God in my church. He's got siblings who are overseas, missionaries, and they're going to spread the gospel. But this particular man said, I just want to grow in the grace of God in my church. I want to serve God here. 
And so whether you're going to go there or serve here, you're going to your community and you're going with gratitude. Now, this is our responsibility. It says in Revelation 7, 12, it's out there on the sign. Do you see that? Thanksgiving and honor and power be to the, our God forever. It, it, we're, we're advertising this. Well, you know, that is important. And we need to give that to God. It's the thankful focus of our heart. We ascribe in truth everything to God. And it's based upon this theology. It's in James 1, 17 and 18. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Well, here's the first gut check today. The possibility exists if you don't feel thankful possibly exists you're not saved okay maybe that word of truth has never touched your heart maybe you have never been convinced that you need grace that you're under the illusion that the things you do for yourself and the success you've had in life that that you're the cause of all that and you don't really need God and the things you've earned your temporal blessings, well, yeah, I'm responsible for that. Well, God uses means. He uses you getting up early in the morning. He means you driving to work. But he gives you that strength. He gives you the power, according to Deuteronomy 8. He gives you the power to make wealth. And we need to have that thankfulness that God is not is responsible for our temporal blessings. He's also responsible for our spiritual blessings. And so remember the deliverance that Paul was talking about here. If you look back at verse 10, it says, Who delivered us from so great a death? That's past tense. And does deliver us? That's present tense. In whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Well, there are a bunch of things that Paul was delivered from. He was delivered from sickness. He could have been delivered from attacks from outside the church. We talked about this last week, and he could have been delivered from attacks within the church. But you know the one deliverance that we all need? It's the deliverance of salvation. If you turn over to Colossians and chapter 1 and 13 and 14, Colossians 1, 13 and 14, this is what it says there. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Each and every one of us today need to put our trust in that Son of the Father's love. We need redemption through his blood. We need covering of our sin by entrusting us ourselves to the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's how we get the forgiveness of sins, which we were talking about in the assurance of pardon, that he forgives our iniquities. And it is a deliverance from the power of darkness. The devil's about darkness. And if we are not saved, we will pass into an outer darkness, as Paul, as Jesus talks about in Matthew twenty-two thirteen, that we're going to be forever in the dark with just me, myself, and I, an eternal, lonely place of punishment. And that's contrasted in that chapter with what 
Jesus is talking about is the marriage feast of the Lamb. It's all about rejoicing. It's all about light. It's all about being together with Jesus and his people. Contrast, darkness, light with Jesus. Come to Christ today. Now, if you're not thankful, it could be that you need salvation. It could be, though, that you're neglectful. And a great English Presbyterian messenger, whose initials I know as J.D., wrote it this way. Remember to praise God quite as much as to pray to God. Now, this is clearly scriptural. You'll find in scripture far more exhortations to praise than to prayer. The Psalms abound with them, line upon line. God is served by praise. Now, in looking at my own conduct in reference to this, I found it sadly neglected. My heart was little attuned to the blessed service of thanksgiving. I had infinite cause for thankfulness, but alas, a thankless heart. I have sought to have this altered and with happy results. I seek the spirit of praise quite as much of prayer and desire to cherish the feeling of happy thankfulness for mercies and joy, unquote. So let us consider our soul. Do we need Christ for our salvation for the first time or do we need Christ and just to talk to Christ and to say, hey, I need to thank you for what you've done. Indeed, we are thanking God and this is a thankfulness which is given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through the many. And so, having prayed at the beginning of verse 11, you also helping together in prayer for us, having prayed for Paul, they thank God for the deliverance given to Paul. And so, now we consider this second point, that the result of thanksgiving is that we live with simplicity for God and for others. For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but with the grace of God, and more abundantly toward you. When we have a thankful heart, we are living with the attitude that God truly deserves the glory in our life, that he is the source of all our good. And what that does is it tunes our heart to live simply for Jesus. To be simple doesn't mean that you're limited. It doesn't mean that you're somehow below par. Oh, there's a simple person. No, it simply means you're focused. You've got one goal, and it's Jesus. And if you're thanking God, verse 11, then you're going to live simply for God, verse 12. Our thankfulness for deliverance means that we boast in simplicity before God in godly sincerity. And that means that we have this goal. We have this goal that we're going to live with a wartime mentality. We're going to live for Jesus. He has brought us out of darkness and into the kingdom of the son of his love. Well, that's a kingdom. That's a place where God rules. That's a place where we're going to submit to his leadership. Simplicity doesn't mean that you become impoverished. It doesn't mean that you become ascetic and 
give up everything. It simply means I'm devoting everything I have to Christ. And I'm going to live here with such devotion to him that I live a more simple, prudent, less wasteful life here. And I am going to be a good steward of God's gifts. That's what it means by simplicity in verse 12. And then it says godly sincerity. I want a holy lifestyle in my personal life. Moral purity characterizes your private life so as to live without scandal and shame. And so to live that your love for others is exemplified in your private life, that you live here that reflects the love you have for your spouse, the love you have for Jesus, the love you have for your church. And then it says here, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God. I'm going to live with sincerity. I'm not going to be deceitful. I'm not going to defraud people. And I'm not going to live with such a concern for this world's wisdom, fleshly wisdom, that I have to fall in line with everyone else in the world. Uh, the world is all about smooth and persuasive words. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of of God. And so he's saying here, the way I am, that's been changed by God's grace and my thankfulness to that. When I acknowledge that he is the source of all good and perfect gifts, that means I'm going to treasure those gifts. I'm going to steward them with a simple lifestyle. And I'm going to have a, a morality in my private life that matches my public thanksgiving to God. And I am devoted to be living in the grace of God. I am devoted to recognizing I don't deserve this. That's what grace is. It's the undeserved favor of God. Do you, do you think that way? Or do you think you got it coming? Don't think you got it coming. Grace is always God's big surprise toward us. Every morning I wake up, I am thankful that Jesus is my Savior. I don't, I don't take it presumptuously. I say, thank you, Jesus, for loving me today. The third point is verses 13 to 14. Boast in the growth of others leading up to the last day. Note what he says. Now I trust you will understand even to the end. Verse 14, as also you have understood us in part, that we are your boast. That means saying, Paul is saying, I'm the one you boast about. As you also are ours. You're the one Paul boasts about. In the day of the Lord Jesus. You know, when we thank God, we take out one reason for boasting out of our life. We remove the boasting about ourselves, the common things over which we're prone to brag. We stop taking credit for how good we are, for how hardworking we are, for how smart we are, for all the good things we have done. I just saw a video clip of Denzel Washington receiving an award at some film institute. It was, it was just so beautiful, the way he gave glory to God. 
and the way he claimed that that was God's gift to him. And he pointed out people who pointed him to the Lord. And that was a wonderful expression that we don't boast in ourselves. Instead, what do we boast about? We're looking for the day of Jesus when we're going to be boasting about how other people we were ministering with have made progress in their faith. And those people will be boasting about us, how we made progress in our faith. Paul didn't boast about material things, about his intellect, his education. He saw all this as a gift of God, a work of God's providence for which he gave thanks. So he was cast back upon the work of Christ being done in him and in others through him, leading up to the second coming of Christ. Indeed, the Apostle Paul says in Philippians that do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. He says that we should always be considering how others can be ministered to through us, that they would be a priority in our life. Do everything without complaining or arguing, but in humility, come to Christ as the servant. He is the servant exemplar for us all. He is the one who laid down his life for us. Let us have that servant attitude. Let us consider that neighbor that senior citizen who's even more cut off now because of COVID than before, but whom we could invite safely to our evening service, a quiet traditional service where the word is preached, where hymns are sung, and where there's plenty of room to invite in newcomers. Think about that niece or that nephew or that neighbor whose mother we approach and ask, can, can we bring your child to 3G Lighthouse? And drop them off for the evening because unlike some other youth activities in town are shut down, here's one activity that's small enough so it can be conducted safely. According to New York State guidelines, where kids have a pile of fun, where Friday evening they created beautiful pumpkins and the boys created snowman takeaways and everybody heard a gospel message. See, when we have a thankful heart, we're thinking about others, how they can hear the gospel and how we can build them up in the faith and see them become more Christ-like. When Betsy Ten Boom, the older sister of Corey Ten Boom, were together in prison in Ravensbrück concentration camp, the two of them gave thanks that they were in the same barracks there in 19. 44. The two of them, the whole family, as a matter of fact, had been cast into prison because they had hidden Jews in their home and they were arrested for it. These two women, residents of Harlem, were sent to Ravensbrook and Betsy was able to smuggle in a small Bible into the woman's barracks where they read together as sisters 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. They asked each other, how can I give thanks in this situation? We're in a concentration camp. 
but the sisters agreed they could give thanks for being assigned to the same barracks, first of all. And then they said they could give thanks that they had the Bible in their hands because they had not been deprived of it as they entered. The sisters agreed they could give thanks in this situation that they were packed so closely on shelves in this barrack, three layers of beds, which was both the place that they worked and the place that they slept and visited. They were so close that when they shared the message of Christ, many people could hear it because they couldn't avoid hearing it. Everybody was packed together. And then Betsy mentioned the fleas. And Corey Ten Boom drew the line there. Quote, Betsy, there is no way even God can make me grateful for a flea. But Betsy insisted. Betsy said, the Bible says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Weeks passed by. Betsy got so sick from her pernicious anemia because of the poor food and the chill that she could no longer go out work in the yard and in the various places they sent people. She had to do her work right there in the barracks, knitting socks. She was a very fast knitter, so she finished her quota of socks by noontime every day, which gave her the whole afternoon to witness for Jesus. She walked around reading the Bible to people wherever they were in those barracks. And she wondered, why do I have such freedom? How come I... Get away with this. There's never any guards coming in here to interrupt me, to take away my Bible. So one day, the people knitting there, there were several with her, were having a disagreement over how long were the socks supposed to be. They couldn't agree on it. They couldn't agree on the quota. So they went to the door and said, could you come in here? We want to show you these socks. Which ones are the right sizes? And the guards said, no way. And quote, that place is crawling with fleas. And aha, there's the moment that she realized her freedom to witness was because of the fleas. When Corey arrived from her work outside the barracks that night, Betsy's eyes were twinkling. And Corey said, you're looking extraordinary, extraordinarily pleased with yourself. And Betsy said, you know, we've never understood why we had so much freedom in the big room. It's the fleas. So even the fleas have their part in God's plan. They gave thanks for the fleas. And they went. They went to serve God where they were. And they gave thanks to God for so great a salvation. Today, I want to call you to three expressions of thanksgiving. I want to call you to gratitude by gathering. I want to call you to a gratitude of going. I want to call you to a gratitude of giving thanks with your heart, speaking out. And I want to call you to a gratitude of giving of your substance. And I call you to it because you have been delivered. You have been delivered from the darkness 
and into the light. And as delivered people, you live differently. Different priorities. Living with simplicity. Living with sincerity. Living in holiness before God. Come and make your life all about boasting in other people's progress rather than boasting in your own. Come and be part of this family of God where we give thanks for so great a salvation. Let us pray. Bless each gathered here. May each have trust in Christ. May each follow you with thankful hearts this season. We come here with honesty in this prayer. We come in the light of a pandemic. We come in the light of COVID-19. We come as many people are dying across our country. And we ask, how do we give thanks? And we simply say, oh God, make us servants. Make us those who love. Make us those who care. Oh Lord, help the suffering who are in solitude right now. Help us, oh Lord, to be servants of Jesus in this country, in this place, and to go here with the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.